Do you remember when kids are little and they ask all kinds of questions? In fact, they ask nonstop questions. Maybe you can remember that. You're riding in the car, you're sitting with them, and it's just question after question. Why is ice cold? Why are lemons bitter? How can planes fly? Why can't cars fly? If I stick my arm out the window, will we fly? And then here's one of my favorite ones. Is that bull married to all of those cows? True story. Remember when they asked all the questions and it was just question after question. Some days you'd be driving along thinking, oh, if I could just get 10 minutes with no questions. Questions after questions. Remember when they asked all of those questions and do you remember when one day they stopped asking questions? And I don't know if that's part of being older or getting, getting older. I don't know if it happens over time. They're, they're less and less frequent. But then all of a sudden there's a day when they're no longer asking questions. Now here's what I think. I was thinking about that. I don't think it's because they finally got all of the answers. In fact, I think they know uh, there's a whole lot of questions out there. I think that happens when they think maybe there's a better source than us. And so maybe mom and dad are just not smart enough. There's got to be someone that knows more than y'all know. And surely there's a, an expert that could tell me. There's a teacher that knows more than you do. There's a friend that has a lot of good information. And so maybe it's because they finally think, you know what, we've run out of answers. Well, think about that this afternoon, this evening. Isn't that the same with us? How many of us, when we're faced with the questions of life, the issues of life, how many of us instantly say, well, you know what, God has our answer. You know what, I'll seek God's infinite wisdom. I'll see what God has said, or do we go somewhere else? Somehow, I think we're the same way. We start to look to other sources for our answers. Well, I want to tell you, and we know this, we've seen this, the truth is we have God's wisdom in his word. He gives us his truth, the truth in his word, and he wants us to have it. And in our study of Proverbs, verse by verse, he is giving it to us. That's what's going on anytime we study the Bible. But specifically, in this study on Sunday nights, God is giving us his wisdom. He's giving us his truth verse by verse through our study in Proverbs. Well, tonight we come to Proverbs chapter 18. We left off last week in verse 14. And so we just start back tonight, Proverbs 18, starting back tonight in verse 15. God's wisdom given to us. Let's start in verse 15. The mind of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Now that's a very interesting verse. It's a loaded verse with meaning. The mind of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. In the original language in Hebrew, the word for prudent means careful considerate, discerning, discerning. And, and so it's saying here, the mind of the considerate person, the mind of the discerning person acquires knowledge. That word means they seek and they get, they accumulate knowledge. And so this prudent person, this discerning person, this, this person that thinks 
and considers, they're careful, they are in the process of seeking and acquiring and getting knowledge. Bible says, in all of your getting, get wisdom, get knowledge. Well, this person, they are seeking and they are getting, they are acquiring God's knowledge. Now, the word for knowledge here, it actually translates truth, the truth, and it's a very specific word. It actually means the truth of God, the knowledge of God. Well, that's what truth is. And so this prudent person, this, this considerate person, they are seeking and acquiring the truth of God. At the end of the verse, it says, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Now think about that for a second. I think that's very important. The ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Think about that. An ear serves one purpose. It doesn't look good. I don't know what you think. It doesn't look good. It is a receiver. It takes in. It receives. Now think about that. The wise, prudent person, they are bent on taking in God's truth, on receiving God's truth. Now, let me just tell you the good news. I told you there were some in the announcements. Let me tell you the good news. Just by being here tonight on this Sunday night, and I, I, I think about that Sunday nights, uh, there's not many churches having services any longer, uh, especially tonight on Super Bowl Sunday night. Let me tell you the good news. You, by God's own word, you are declared prudent and wise, and you're seeking God's word tonight. So let me tell you, good job tonight. Good job tonight. Now, before we leave that, I want to point out one thing here, and I want, to, I want you to see this. That is actually a process, and I think maybe that's why it's difficult for us. That's why we have a hard time in this. It is an effort. It doesn't just happen. Well, I went to church and I received God's wisdom and it's settled. Well, I went and I reached a graduation point and I'm finished. No, it happens over time. It takes consistency. It takes an effort. But the wise, prudent person is taking in the truth of God. All right, moving on. Verse 16. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Now, I want you to be sure and see this. This is a truth here being stated. Now, I read this, I think about this. It doesn't say that we should do this. It doesn't say we should not do this. It is a truth here being stated to us. Now, in earlier verses, I believe a couple of weeks ago, it pointed out, God's word pointed out, the lack of integrity of a person that is swayed by a bribe. They do the wrong thing or they cover up the right thing because they are swayed by a bribe, the, the lack of integrity. Well, this points out bribes by influence. Now, we ought to be aware of that. Maybe there's somebody that tempts us with a bribe. Maybe that's a situation we will face. Maybe we see others and they are getting unfair treatment because of bribes they are offering. Well, the, the truth is a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Verse 17. The first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. The first to plead his case seems right 
until another comes and examines him. Now, all throughout the book of Proverbs, God is giving us advice on how to make good decisions. Now, I hear folks all the time, they say, I would like to make great decisions. Watch them. They always make good decisions. I would be like, like to be like that. And so all the way through, God is giving us advice and how to make great decisions, how to make wise choices, how to act in prudence. You want to be that type of person? God gives us that instruction. Well, verse 17, it tells us the first person to make their case seems right. You ever notice that? Somebody comes along, they give you their case, they give you their story, they give you their facts, and you say, that makes a lot of sense. I understand that. And, And the first person to make their case seems right until... Somebody else makes their case. And somebody can come along and they can make their case and they'll present their information, their facts, and you'll say, well, I was wrong, they were right. This makes a lot of sense. Well, the lesson of of verse 17 is this. Hear everybody out. Listen to both sides. Evaluate. Really, that's a big lesson. Evaluate. Do not be hasty. Do not be quick in your decisions. The first thing you saw looked right. And the second thing you saw looked right. And the last thing you hear sounds right. Hear everybody out. Evaluate. Do not be hasty, quick in your decisions. Verse 18. The cast lot puts an end to strife and decides between the mighty ones. That's a strange verse, especially for us, but It says this, the cast lot puts an end to strife and decides between the mighty ones. In the Jewish tradition, in the Jewish system, it was a big deal to cast lots. It was a lot like when somebody says, draw straws. It was a way to say, we're going to let God lead us in this. Now, there's actually a provision, a direction for this in the Old Testament. The priest carried with him stones that were used for that purpose. And so there's a decision to be made and we're seeking the direction of God. And so if they were following that plan, they would cast lots to see what God says. Well, it says here that trouble is avoided, that the mighty ones, those that that have a strong case, those that have made their case, those with the law on the line, instead of arguing it out, instead of fighting it out, they are casting their lots to defer to God. In the New Testament, and I want you to be sure of this, in the New Testament, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and we possess the Word of God. And so today, we do not cast lots, but I do want you to see this, but the premise is still the same. We should defer to God. We should be quick to seek God's wisdom. Now, we do that by going to him in prayer. If anyone needs wisdom, let him ask is what he says. We do that by going to his word. We should defer to God by seeking his counsel. So we see this premise, uh, an example of it in the Old Testament, but we see it still holds true in the New Testament. We also are to defer to God seeking his wisdom and his counsel. Now, here's what I was thinking. It is weird, and it's the truth, but it is strange that we do not value what we have as followers of Jesus Christ. Let me explain this. 
The Bible says that we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit of God, that we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says we have the Word of God, His Word, His speech to us, and it is true. We have His truth. And for some reason, in our perspective, we think, well, they had it better. And I think we actually think that. I, I think, you know what? It'd be a lot easier to get up in the morning and just cast lots. Should I go to work today? I'll throw two stones. I'm going to the lake. <laughs> Wouldn't that be easier? I've got a big decision today at three o'clock. Should I close this deal or not? I'll just cast lots. And we, we start to neglect the, the truth that we have the spirit of God living inside of us, the word of God to, to lead us and direct us. We have his voice and somehow we think that they had it better than us. God has given us his spirit. He's given us his word. And in the same way, we should be quick to defer to him. Verse 19. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a citadel. Now listen to this verse. A brother offended, you're going to have to deal with this sometime, is harder to be won than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a citadel. Now, brother, we've seen this about two weeks ago. A brother could be a physical relationship. It could be a brother, a sister. Or we've seen it could be a close relation. So it could be, it could be a physical brother or sister, but it also could be someone that we love, someone that we know, that knows us, someone that we trust. A brother offended, a brother upset the verse is saying it's harder to be one than a strong city. Now, if you're to leave here and you're to go and decide, you know what, I'm going to go take over Quanah tonight. And you get to Quanah. I don't know why you'd want it, but you get to Quanah. And there's a big moat, a trench all the way around Quanah. If you're from there, I'm sorry. And there's a big moat and it's full of alligators. And, and inside of that, there's a big old wall. And on top of those walls, there's armed guards and there's cannons. And you look behind that, and there's another wall, and it's taller than that wall. And behind that wall, there's great big guard towers, and there's cannons pointing out of that thing. If you were to come up to that city and it was, it was surrounded by that, you'd have better luck overcoming that city than a close relationship that is upset. Now, I want you to think about that. People, now think about this. People that you do not know, do not know that well, if they upset you, if they cross you, if they betray you, we kind of go, Buh. somebody, well, I don't know them. They, they, they betray you. They do you dirty. They cross you. You kind of go, well, they're a loser. They, I, I don't know them. They're a loser. They, they just, they've shown their colors here. But a close relation a person that you know, a person that you care for, that problem, that issue is hard to take. And that issue is hard to get over. If it's somebody you don't know, it's fine, whatever. But if it's a close relation, that's, that's a hard issue to deal with. The Bible says this, and the contentions, contentions are like bars on the citadel. The, 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 the strong fort or the prison, the bars that are on the doors, the bars that are on the windows, the contentions are like those bars that keep you apart. Now, I want you to hear the wisdom of this. Here's the wisdom of this. 
Be careful who you offend. Be careful not to offend. And then here's the big thing. And if there are any contentions, if there are any issues, settle them quickly. If there's an issue, you know what, between someone that knows each other, that cares for each other, if there's an issue, a problem, you can brew on that and you can reconsider that and you can talk to other folks about that. But here's what the Bible says. That contention will be like a bar that comes between you like a jail. And if there are contentions, if there are issues, settle them quickly. How many families, and you might have some pop into your head, how many friends, dear friends, how many churches are split and are divided because of undealt with issues. Well, there was this issue and I just carried it. There was this issue and I just ate it. I was mad about it and I didn't settle it. If there are undealt with issues, contentions, here's the wisdom of God, settle them quickly. All right, verses 20 and 21, they actually go together. I'm gonna read them together. Verses 20 and 21. With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. He will be satisfied with the product of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, many times those verses are separated. A lot of times the 21st verse is used separated out of context. Those verses actually go together. Listen again. With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. He will be satisfied with the product of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, here's what these verses are saying. These verses are saying this. Weigh your words carefully. Consider your words carefully. Now, what that means is, and very practically tonight, what that means is, before you speak your words, you're to think about what is the goal of these words? What is the likely outcome of these words? How will these words be received? Are these truthful words? Do these words build up? Do they help the situation? Or do they cause problems? We are to consider our words. We're to be thoughtful about our words. Here's the reason why, and it comes from the verses. Because words have consequences. Words bear fruit. Words have consequences. Your words can bring you good things. Your words can bring you good opportunities. Your words can bring you good situations. Or your words can ensure for you trouble and chaos and bad things bad results, and bad consequences. Your words bear fruit, and your words can bring good things, or your words can set you up for bad, terrible things. Now, I want to warn you, and it's funny, it kind of goes along with our message this morning. I want to warn you of something here in verse 21. Sometimes verse 21 is lifted out of context, used by itself to make our words mystical, or having some sort of supernatural power. And sometimes I've heard folks come to this verse, they, they tie some others in with it, but they use this verse to give power, a mystical power, to words. And people will say this, 
And, th- and listen, you may have heard this. You have to speak life. And if you'll speak life, all good things will happen and you're binding up the good things and you're guaranteeing a good result. And so you have to speak the good words, the life, and it's gonna bring the good result. And then the flip side of that is they say, but you can't and for sure do not speak evil because that's gonna bring an evil result. It's gonna bind up and it's gonna guarantee an evil result. I've heard folks say, no, I feel like I'm getting a headache. And somebody said, oh, don't speak that evil over yourself. You'll get it. I feel a little bit achy today. Don't, hey, don't speak that evil over yourself. You'll, do, you'll get that. And they say your problems are that you're not speaking the right words. And you can say over your kids, over your situation, over your life. Really, it's just positive affirmation or positive vibes. And here's what I want to tell you. Be sure that is not biblical, that is not Christian, and it's closer to witchcraft. I want you to hear me tonight and listen very closely. Our power is not in our words. Listen, words bear fruit, and words are tough, and words have consequences, but our power is not in our words. Our power is in the word, Jesus Christ. We need to be sure of that. Verse 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Now, I don't see many t-shirts that say that, but that's what the verse says. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Now, let me tell you the wisdom of this verse. Who you marry will be a great blessing, or listen, or it'll cause great trouble in your life. And and maybe more than any decision that you'll make outside of trusting Jesus, one of the most important decisions for the the direction of your life is, is the person that you marry. And the person you marry will bring great blessing or it'll cause trouble for the rest of your life. And yet I want you to think about this, how quickly we decide who we're gonna marry. And maybe we're just too young, we're just too dumb at that point, I don't know. But we are so flippant in it. And we haven't taught our kids and we haven't been taught that we ought to seek God more than any decision. We ought to not enter into that quickly and we ought to seek God and we ought to measure that relationship according to the standard of God's word and does this add up with God's word and does this add up with God's word and if it doesn't match God's word, I'm not getting near that. Are we gonna commit this thing to God? Do we both serve Jesus Christ? And if we committed this to God, you can't be flippant. And if you do that, here's here's what the verse is saying. God intends for your marriage to be a great blessing, a source of joy, a a source of encouragement, a, a a good thing for you and for your kids and for the society and the culture that we live in. Here's what our world says. Your marriage is, is terrible. It's a ball and chain. You have to endure it. It's a source of testing. And the truth of God's word is this. If we do it according to God's will and God's plan, it is to be a blessing. Now, let me tell you the good news. God can restore all things. And so sometimes we mess things up and we get into things and we make messes of those things. But at the same time, if we will commit that to God, trust God, he'll make a blessing even out of that. Marriage is a good thing before God, a blessing from God. Verse 23. 
The poor man utters supplications, but the rich man answers roughly. The poor man utters supplications, but the rich man answers roughly. Now, verse 23 is another truth to recognize, a, a, a fact of wisdom that we ought to hold. And, and, and the truth is this. The poor person, and it's just how it is, it's true, whether they are right or whether they are wrong, comes with their hat in their hand. And the poor person has to come and they have to make requests. And really, they have to make gentle requests. They have to make supplications. They have to come in humility. Now, because of their poorness, it may be a forced humility, but the poor, the poor person seeking something, seeking a hearing before the court or a deal with somebody else, they have to come in gentleness, in humility. But the verse says, but the rich man doesn't have that concern. The rich man can be loud. The rich man can be brash. And he can answer roughly. That's the truth. All right, verse 23. Let me read that again. The poor man utters supplications, but the rich man answers roughly. Verse 24. A man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer to a brother. A man of too many friends comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, here's, here's the deal. Here's the question, verse 24. Can you have too many friends? And we, we, like, to, we like to live in this day where, you know what, we're friends and we're not upsetting anybody. And, we, and look at all the friends. Uh, Facebook comes along and you just add to your friends. Or you, sometimes you lose your friends on there. Can you have too many friends? Isn't it best to have loads of friends? Isn't that the best thing? I got all my friends. Let me tell you what the Bible says. Listen to this. The Bible says, number one, you have to make a lot of concessions to have many friends. And listen to that. You have to make a lot of compromises to get along with everybody. And if I ever find a person and every, everybody is their friend, they have pretty much had to compromise everything not to offend anyone. The Bible says, that's what this is saying here, that to have all these friends, you got to make a lot of compromises. You got to make a lot of concessions. And in doing so, you'll bring yourself to ruin. Well, this was right and I didn't care. Well, this, you know what? I had to swallow this. This was right but I would lose some friends if I took a stand here. This is what God's word said. But if I hold to it, I'm gonna lose some friends. And I had to concede that as well. And so all of these friends bought in compromise, that compromise will bring you to your ruin. Now that's the first thing. The second thing is this, and this is pretty practical. The second thing is this, not everyone who calls you friend is actually a friend. And dadgum, that's a hard thing to learn. And I'm sorry if you've had to learn that, but the truth of this, not everybody who calls you their friend is their friend. But I want to tell you the good news is this, but God says this, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Not everyone is a friend, but there are some, and in this verse it is one, who sticks closer than a brother. They are true and they are tested, 
and they are loyal and they are for you and they love you. And, and, and like a brother, you know what a brother's for the long haul? They're for the long haul. They're not going to be swayed or pulled away. The world says a whole lot of folks who claim to be your friend are not your friend, but there are some. And in this verse, there is one who is closer than a brother. What a blessing, what a joy for those type of friends. And then I think of, I think of something in, in, in closing to that, and that is this. And you know what? Jesus calls us friend. By faith in him reconciled to a holy God, we are friends of his. That's amazing. That's crazy. Oh, what a friend. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for your truth. We're thankful for your wisdom tonight. Lord, I pray we'd be prudent. I pray we'd be wise. I pray we'd grow in your wisdom. I pray the fruit of this night, this hour, happily given to you, would make a difference in our decisions, would make a difference in our witness, in our life, would steer us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake, would lead us away from sin and protect us, would be a blessing to us, and more than that, a blessing to your cause and to your name. I pray for the folks here tonight. Bless them, encourage them. I pray for the ones listening in some other means tonight. Same thing, bless them, encourage them as well. And again, we just come and tell you as we close out this Lord's Day, we're thankful for a gracious Savior. We're thankful for the forgiveness of sin. We're thankful for hope that endures and stands heading into a new week. Lord, I pray that you would use us this week, that you'd be glorified through us. We give all this to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen.